Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy and Romance and all of the delicious places they intersect. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. Delicious. Here on this Monday, December 21st, uh, my mother texted me this morning and said, Christmas week. Always a time for celebration in my particular family. Uh, we tend to make most celebrations, extendo celebrations that last uh, days before and after the actual event. So, so yes, Christmas week, though I don't head to Tucson until Wednesday morning. The good news is, is we got the results back of our COVID tests. Uh, it was fast. We got them yesterday morning. So we went and had the test on Friday afternoon and had the results less than 48 hours later. So pretty amazing. So uh, husband and I are both negative. So that's awesome. We weren't surprised because we've both been super careful and I never leave the house anyway <laughs> in the best of times. So um, not a surprise, but good to have that precaution. Both of my parents are elderly and, uh, oh, oh, sorry, mom. She's my mother listens to these and I forget. And she'll be really mad that I've called her elderly. <laughs> uh, they are in the high risk category. <laughs> that? Sorry, mom. Uh, but anyway, we're very excited to be heading their way. Uh, we were fortunate that we got to see them in the middle of summer during that narrow window after lockdown in New Mexico ended and before <laughs> the results of the lockdown occurred when everything started skyrocketing. Um, but it was really nice that we had those couple of weeks that they came and spent in Santa Fe. So uh, today is my final day of working on the Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince. It will be uh, done by end of today, I hope. Uh, I only have 50 pages left to revise and a little bit to add on to the end, and then I'll send it off to the beta readers. And I have a cover, uh, almost have a cover. Uh, I've been going back and forth with the amazing Raven on the cover, and she's been, um, it's almost finalized. It's really very beautiful. So I think that you guys will be excited to see it. Maybe even in the next few days. Uh, I should probably set up, hmm, I don't know. I should talk to Assistant Corrine about setting up a cover reveal. Uh, hadn't really thought about that. I've only been thinking about dealing with Christmas. It was a busy weekend. We did finish the rest of the presents. We're getting all of them shipped off this morning to the grandchildren. And I did get everything wrapped that was on hand. I watched... Um, California Christmas. Did you guys see this one? Um, one of the Netflix Christmas romances. This one was kind of interesting because the hero heroine in the movie are, it turns out, husband and wife in real life. And she wrote it. She is listed as the writer credit on it. And it's worth watching just because, I mean, you know, it's the usual thing, right? I mean, you know what you're getting into watching one of these things. Um, you guys, he is so beautiful. He is just fucking gorgeous. And 
she clearly knows this because she like wrote this really silly stuff into the script whereby he's required to be walking around in tight briefs, uh, wearing only those and like cowboy boots because he has to do something to work on the trailer. And I, you know, it's totally worth it for the eye candy. California Christmas. You, you could, yeah, totally worth it. <laughs> so I got the rest of the presents wrapped. Got the house clean, did all of these, all of these things. So it was really productive weekend, uh, felt pretty much nonstop, but all presents in hand are wrapped. I'm, I'm looking around my office, which is now considerably less cluttered than it was. And now we're just waiting for more to arrive in shipping, hoping <laughs> there's, you know, the thing about like the USPS where you like get the notice that your package has been shipped, but you know, and it's like, Oh, shipped on the 16th. But then you try to track it. And USPS is like, what package? We never received that package. Oh, there's a label, but we haven't received it. And then, then it arrives. So I have one like that, that I'm, uh, we need to, it's for my granddaughter and we need to ship it off to Denver, which is close, but, um, yeah, USPS doesn't know it exists. So I'm just hoping that it's one of these cases. Otherwise I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do. Oh, well. A bridge to cross in the next 48 hours. So I will be um, finishing this revision today. And then tomorrow is going to be like baking cookies. <laughs> and then we'll head out Wednesday morning. I'm also, I'm started reading. I finished reading um, Dorinda Jones's draft, her manuscript, A Bad Day for Chardonnay. And she uh, is, um, uh, you guys haven't gotten to read this yet because she is um, sending it into copy edits. Sorry, I got distracted there. So I'm, I'm being a beta reader for her on it. It's so good. It's, it's, it's better than the first book. It's really excellent. You guys will enjoy it. Oh, now my live video is paused. There we go. <laughs> I don't know what happens on the other end when it pauses, if it like buffers and so forth. So, uh, I finished reading that book and I'll send her notes on that. So that'll be good. And then I started reading. I, I can't recall exactly the chain of how I came to this, but I don't often read nonfiction. I mean, I like memoir. I started out writing memoir and nonfiction, but I'm reading Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Do you guys know who Chanel Miller is? I did not know. Uh, and that's partly why the book is called Know My Name. She is the girl, the woman who was raped by Brock Turner at Stanford back in 2015. She wrote a memoir and it's really good. It's very interesting uh, talking about her, you know, what happened, her uh, impressions of the events. I don't want to say her version, her, you know, how it was for her. And the reason I got started on this book was that David and I were having a conversation and I can't remember what we were talking about something or another. 
and I had used that analogy. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like that guy. And I couldn't quite remember his name. I was like, Brock, Brock, something, Brock Turner, rapist Brock Turner. Um, you know, and I, and he, for somehow David had never heard the story. He'd never heard what had happened. And, and I was explaining to him and he was, he kept asking me for more details. He was like, so, you know, what, what did the guys who found her see and all this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> but um, it was funny that not only had he not known about it, he and I hadn't really talked about it. Um, but you know how it is, like, you know, sort of whatever comes up in conversation and we don't, neither one of us watches actual news. So we didn't uh, pay attention to, it's not like we're watching the same thing at the same time. I get all my news from Twitter, right? So, so I was looking up stuff on Brock Turner to answer a few of his questions. And I saw that Chanel Miller wrote this book that came out last fall, Know My Name, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But it's no surprise, extraordinarily well-written. She's, um, I don't know if she got help or not, but she's, you know, obviously an intelligent young woman and it's, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Lucky. And now I'm not going to be able to think of the author names. It was very interesting to read Lucky. Uh, Alice Siebold, is that right? Because she also wrote The Lovely Bones. And Lucky is her nonfiction, narrative nonfiction memoir of, of her own sexual assault of the time that she was beaten and raped and it was called that because uh, everybody kept telling her that she was lucky to be alive and so lucky was the memoir version and the lovely bones was sort of her fictionalized processing of the event obviously very different but it's it's interesting to read both and especially if you're a writer but I think also, if you're a reader, if you enjoy comparing themes, because it's very interesting to look at the comparative um, takes on an incident like that. So I'm finding Know My Name to be very interesting also and well, well worth the read if you're looking for a read. And I feel like she should have all of our money anyway. Um. And I was going to tell you guys something else. What was, did we watch last night? Oh, um, the other thing we watched is now that we can all access HBO Max, I feel like I did this for us because I was bitching so much about HBO creating like the separate channel, the HBO Max channel um, that they like wanted us to pay separately for. And I was so annoyed about that. It's like what we're all like, for, you know, you're just going to create channels that we can all pay like another six bucks a month for. So I got an email saying, oh, guess what? Your HBO Max uh, has been joined with your HBO account. Hooray! And sure enough, it was. So some of these things I've been wanting to see on HBO Max and refusing to see because, by God, I have my standards. <laughs> uh one of them is called, I think it's Let Them Talk. Let Them Talk? Let Them All Talk? Something like that. 
Um, I will also link to it in the show notes and get the correct title. But it is, you could look it up. It's with The Amazing Meryl Streep, uh, Diane Wiest, Candace Bergen, and Meryl Streep plays a writer. So for those of you who are writers out there, you really have to watch this movie because David was amused by it too. There's, there's like this opening scene between Meryl and the agent who has taken over for her because Meryl is of course this um, venerable uh, older woman, a writer with this long career, literary career. She's one of her books, won the Pulitzer and you know, Meryl is such a consummate actress. I think, I feel like she does so much research she really had the voice and the gestures down of of the literary writers, you know. And she would do this. I'm and I'm sure I do this when I talk. A couple of times I said to David, "Do I do that?" <laughs> He's like, "No, no, but you actually do <laughs> this." Um, you know, so she's like, "The work, the work is." Um, but so her agent has retired. That's and that's pretty much where I think it opens with her having lunch with this new young agent. And it turns out she's not so new. She's like been at the agency and helping to handle uh, Meryl's account for like nine years. And but Meryl is cantankerous about it, and she's cantankerous in exactly the way I would be. So it was funny to watch this to be. Um, observing it and see the ways in which Meryl is really kind of difficult and and a diva and also totally understanding why she's pitching the fit that she's pitching. Uh, and one of the questions she asks the young agent is she said, well, what, what, what of my books have you read? Which one is the one that, I, don't, I can't remember how she phrased it. She didn't say, which is your favorite? And and it's obviously a test. And and I thought, this is exactly the kind of conversation I would have if some younger junior agent was being my agent of many years was retiring. And this uh, younger agent is taking over my account. I'd be like, well, do you even like my books? I would probably put it more baldly that way. You know, do, have you read any of my books for pleasure? And of course, the one book that the agent has read is Meryl's most popular book, the one that everybody loves and everybody has been dying for a sequel to, and it's not her own favorite. And she even says this other book is a better book. And, you know, it's such a commonality. Maybe it's a commonality among all artists, but it's so funny because the book that we feel like is the thing that we love the most the one that uh, I don't that we feel like it's our best work or the thing that we've really poured ourselves into that that ends up um, being not the most popular thing and then sometimes the one that everybody loves that is most popular is inexplicable to us you know and people will be saying well you know when are you going to write the sequel and when are you you know when are you going to write such and so story and you're going to be like and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. So, so that's a very good movie. Well worth watching. Uh, and then 
I was going to wrap back around to the thing about the sexual assault stuff. And, and I should probably remember to put a content warning on this podcast. So apologize for those of you watching live if it's um if that's difficult to hear about. Um but I'm not gonna get into anything graphic. The reading Chanel Miller's book and thinking about Lucky. Was it Lucky Bones? I think it's just Lucky. I'll have to find that exact title too. I should research before I start to end, but no, I am no Meryl Streep. Although this is tangential, but this really made me laugh after we watched this movie because I had gotten this rando message on Facebook. You guys know how it goes. Message from this rando guy who's not a friend. And he asked me if I thought St. Martin's was worth working with. And I'm like, oh, this is a huge question, rando guy who's asking me this question. And, and I asked David about it. And I said, well, do you think it would be bad if I just ignore this guy? I mean, I just feel like just ignoring this message. Is that being a diva? And David said, well, no, it's kind of like if somebody, if Meryl Streep were walking on the red carpet and somebody yelled out to her, hey, Meryl, is Martin Scorsese worth working with? <laughs> and it made me laugh because, you know, I am no Meryl Streep, but I, I love the analogy. Anyway, I was thinking about, you know, here this book, I, th I think it's Alice Siebel. Lucky was written, I don't know, 20 years ago at least. And, and now I'm reading this one. And it made me realize how rarely we read about sexual assault from the victim's perspective in this way. And, and I feel like in some ways, maybe this is wrong. Maybe this is just my bubble. But I feel like it kind of gets suppressed. And it made me think about in when I wrote The Talon of the Hawk. And spoilers, if you have not read this book, and it was something we didn't come out and say in the blurb because I felt like it's a it's a reveal in the book. But so, you know, I'm almost done. So you can tap out now if you don't want to know about The Talon of the Hawk. But part of Ursula's backstory is, is that she was a survivor of sexual assault. And it informs a whole lot of her character. And I got pushback on that. And I even saw this one. I remember she was a librarian and she reviewed the book and she reviewed it very poorly because the heroine had been sexually assaulted. And she said, you know, John Scalzi says that he will never again write a heroine who's motivated by sexual assault. And I thought, well, you know, good for John Scalzi, but that's totally different. And I understand why people are reacting this way, that people felt strongly that uh, that having sexual assault as a backstory is not should not always be what motivates a kick-ass heroine. However, that doesn't mean that we whitewash the reality of sexual assault from women's lives and that sometimes it is important to write about and it is an integral part of character. And, you know, I don't have, not all of my characters have experienced sexual assault, but some have because some women have in their lifetimes. So I, I really wonder sometimes if this pushback against, oh, well, you know, we don't need to have um, 
kick-ass heroines always be motivated by sexual assault is in some ways a, a, a covering of the eyes and ears and saying, oh, let's just pretend that this isn't a reality, that it isn't part of the world. Maybe I'm wrong convince me. <laughs> I actually hate that. Don't convince me. But feel free to uh, comment because I would like to know what you guys think about this. And on that note, I need to get busy. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful Monday. If you celebrate, I hope that you are enjoying Christmas week. And I will remind you that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow morning. Take care. Bye-bye.